Hello family, welcome to CE Online. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. So excited about today's service, we believe that this could be the best and most impacting hour of your week. Throughout the service, you may have some questions, comments, or prayer requests. If you do, please go to churchexperience.tv slash connect or pull out your camera app. Hit up the QR code. If you always wanna know what's going on here at CE, just hit that subscribe button right here. We would love to hear from you and we'll be praying for you. We are ready to dive in. Would you worship with us today?
you father we praise you for your glory we praise you for sending your son we praise you father when times get hard we praise you in the storms we praise you because you gave us eternal life you gave us grace you gave us mercy and we are eternally thankful for you father we come before you in the name of Jesus to just praise you in the storms. We love you. Amen. Welcome to the final week of Fixer Upper. It's our relationship teaching series where every week we've been remodeling and rebuilding and restoring the relationship rooms in our life. If you were with us the first week, we went into the office room of our life and we talked about our work relationships and what God wants to do in that important room of our life. And then the last two weeks, we've been in the family rooms of our life. We went into the kids' room and we talked about parenting. And, and last week, we were rekindling the romance in the marriage room of our life. But I'm excited that you're with us today because today we are going into the kitchen. And what's the kitchen all about? The kitchen is all about day-to-day -day friendship. Right, This is where memories are made and where friendships are formed. It's in the kitchen, day to day. I mean, that's where you're passing through and you have an impromptu conversation and it turns into something special. It's those ordinary days where you're eating meals together. This is where most of our life is spent. It's in the kitchen. It's in, the, it's in those day-to-day -day friendship moments. In fact, Jennifer and I had one of those moments the other day. We were, we were hanging out by our kitchen and we were just having a good time together and I went to let out a satisfying yawn. Which, by the way, why are yawns contagious? I'm still trying to figure that out. And I went to let out a satisfying yawn, and, and Jennifer did something she's been doing to me for years. You pray for me. Because every time I go to yawn, she puts her finger right in the center of my mouth just to mess with me because she knows that you cannot finish a yawn when someone puts their finger right into your mouth. 
And and I was so bummed because I really wanted that that satisfaction that comes from a completed, nice, big yawn. And she wouldn't let me do it. I tried to hold her hands down. She'd still get her finger in there. And so so I got up off the couch to leave and run toward the kitchen to escape my wife so that I could actually yawn. And as I'm running toward the kitchen, I hear this laughter behind me. She's literally chasing me into the kitchen. And because I realize she's chasing me, I run faster. And because I'm running fast, I'm not paying attention, and I run right into the stool in our kitchen that's at our kitchen table, and it flattens me out on the ground. Just about broke my three middle toes. <laughs> I'm laying there in pain, and after the pain goes away, we're both laughing. And Man, it was just one of those ordinary moments in the kitchen, the day-to-day life, experiencing friendship together. Those unplanned moments that just happen, and, and, and man... God, God wants to do so much to bring more of those day-to-day, beautiful, ordinary, sometimes broken, sometimes beautiful moments into your friendships. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do today as we look at his word. And I, I was thinking about how Romans chapter 12, verse 15, gives us such a great description of what it looks like to be in community with other believers. Take a look at verse 15 where it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. This is God's vision for relationships, is that we rejoice together when we're on the mountaintop because a win for you is a a victory for me. And then also we, we mourn together because a loss for you breaks my heart too because we care about each other. We're in this intimate day-to-day experience where we know about the mountaintops and we know about the valleys and we're praying for each other. We're engaged. It's not like a once a week where we just see each other for a few moments on a Sunday morning. It's like day-to-day, we're connected. We care about each other. We know what's happening in each other's lives. This is God's vision for community. It's what he wanted. You know, sometimes when we get a close friend, we'll tell them something like, hey, you've got refrigerator rights. In other words, you can come to my kitchen anytime and you can grab a sandwich out of the fridge. You don't even have to ask because we have that level of intimacy. And I believe that's the type of intimacy God wants to bring into your relationship house, into your relationship room of the kitchen. I believe he wants to bring some friendships into your life that are so close, so intimate, so precious that God wants to deliver such value into your life, and, and he's got a vision for what that looks like. And so today we're gonna to be in First Thessalonians chapter five, and, and we're gonna pull out some incredible principles on how to have better friendships. But it's not just about the principles that we can learn from God's word, it's ultimately about a person. It's the person named Jesus Christ who can help restore and remodel any relationship, no matter how broken it is. And we're gonna talk about that today as well, but, but I believe that you're gonna learn so much about friendships as we look at in God's word and 1 Thessalonians chapter five, there's a great vision description for what it looks like to be in Christian community. And it begins in verse 12. God's word says, now we ask you brothers and sisters. And and don't you love that it says that so often throughout God's word. It says brothers and sisters. We're a family. We we talk all the time at church experience about how we're we're the family. We're we're the family of God. We're, We're a church family because this is what we are. And the Bible says that we're brothers and sisters together. It says, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, there it is again. We, we, we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. 
help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What an amazing description of what it looks like to be in community. This is God's idea, not man's idea. This is what God intended for you and I within the context of our relationships with each other. Day-to-day life. This is not a special event, a one-time occurrence. This is what life should look like day-to-day. We're, we're rejoicing together. We're giving thanks continually to God for how good he is and for the relationships that he's given us, for the very food on our tables. We're, we're enjoying this sweet community where there's not only rejoicing, but, but we're praying together for each other and with each other. We're worshiping together. It talked about encouraging one another and how we're being taught and admonished. And there's just so much there in this passage we could talk about. But I noticed as I was studying, in fact, I took some notes on a theme that I saw throughout this passage. Did you catch it? When it's talking about the leaders in verse 12, it talked about how they work hard among you. Verse 13, it says, because of their work. Verse 14, it says, warn those who are idle. And in other words, warn those who are not contributing an active part of the community. They're not working. Verse 14 and 15, I noticed five very active descriptions of what it looks like to be in Christian community. It says to encourage, help, make sure, always strive, do good. All these descriptive statements tell us of what our posture should be in these relationships that God has designed for us. It's not a passive sit on my couch, eating comfort food within the confines of my own home. But here's my fear. Here's my fear that over the last two years with the pandemic and, and all, the, all the understandable excuses that we've had to retreat away from people, I'm concerned that some people have developed bad habits relationally. I'm worried that some people have said, you know, it's okay for me just to kick my shoes off and sit here on the couch. And, and, and for me, my faith is going to be about watching something on a screen instead of engaging in community and praying for others and serving others and loving others and teaching others. And, and the reason why I'm concerned about this is because you're missing out. You're missing out on all that God wants to deliver into your life. God has so much value for you within the context of community. I mean, my, my heart did good, you know, about a year into the recovery of the pandemic to see people start coming back by the dozens and coming back to church and people faces I hadn't seen for so long. And those relationships have been rebuilt and God's brought in new people. It's been such an encouraging thing. But I, I found out that there's, there's still some people who, who in, in, and not just our church and every church that, that for them, they've got used to, they've become a little bit spiritually apathetic. They've got used to retreating into the comfort of their own home. Just like we do when we go through a hard time at home, we go into the kitchen and maybe late at night, maybe after a long, hard day's work. And we just grab some, some comfort food. And we sit down and we eat our comfort food in isolation. And sometimes we're feeling bad for ourselves. Sometimes we're mulling over our next vision, our next plan, the thing that we're gonna accomplish. And, but we're doing it alone and we're missing out on the joy of rejoicing together and mourning together. And it's, it's not easy to engage in community. It takes effort, it takes work. And, and, and that's why I want to highlight all the things that God's word. I mean, this is not man's word. This is what God says it looks like to be in community. There's, there's effort. There's work. Be active and courage. I mean, all these things that are very intentional. And there's a warning against being idle, apathetic, 
not contributing to the community. And, and why would God make such a big deal of this? I mean, God surely knows how hard it is to step out of our comfort and into community. We, we fear rejection sometimes. We're not sure if we're going to have the right words, and so we worry. It, it's a lot of effort just to fit it into our, our regular schedule, not just attending a worship service each week, but getting engaged in a life group and building friendships that really could last. I mean, that, that takes a lot of effort to put that in a, in a schedule to get involved in a serving team and roll up our sleeves and make a big difference for God and build his kingdom and reach people who don't know the hope of Jesus and use the gifts he's given us to, to build his kingdom. And that, that takes work though, that takes effort and God knows these things. But, but here's the lesson if you wanna write it down. Comfort keeps me from the rewards of community. This is why this conversation matters so much is that comfort is the enemy of community. And it keeps you from experiencing the rewards of community. And when you get involved in friendships and you work, it takes work, it takes initiative, it takes effort, and you, you work through that comfort zone. <laughs> you put down that comfort food friendship. And you say, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be more active and engaged. And, and you take a step into those relationships, into the kitchen room of your relationship house, and, and you engage. You're gonna see God do some amazing things. So let me ask you this question. We're gonna move on in this passage because there's a lot more to talk about, but the question is this, what comfort is standing in the way of closer friendships in my life? What comfort is standing in the way of closer Christian relationships, being more part of God's Christian community? What, what comfort is standing in the way? My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would convict you not to hurt you, but to help you. And I hope you feel that conviction heavy so that you can experience the rewards and the joy of having intimate relationships with other believers where you rejoice together and mourn together. You see each other and connect with each other, not just even once a week, but on a continual basis. First Thessalonians chapter five. Let's take a look at verse 12. We just read it a moment ago, but I wanna circle back. It says, now we ask you brothers and sisters to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. All right, let's pause there. It's talking about spiritual leadership. Those who teach and admonish and encourage others. And, and by the way, that, that's not a work just for pastors that have a microphone in their hand or a missionary who travels overseas. That's the work of every believer. That's the calling that God has in your life to be a spiritual influencer, to influence others, to teach, to encourage, to help to care for others, and in day-to-day life. Hey, how, how can I pray for you? What's, what's going on? Is there anything I can pray for you about? You know, it takes on many shapes and sizes. Sometimes it's just simply sharing what you've learned. Maybe God's been working in your life in some area, and when someone says, hey, how you doing? Instead of talking about sports, which is great, talking about the weather, which is fine, talking about work, and that's part of our normal conversations, but every once in a while you bring it. And let, let me tell you the coolest thing that's going on in my life right now, God's been teaching me something new. And I've been learning and growing. Man, I heard a message the other day at our church, and man, that just, it really impacted me. I read something in my daily devotions. Hey, I had someone mentoring me the other day, and this is what they taught me. And it's just so many ways to bring up what God's doing in your life, and just bringing up that conversation can become an invitation into a spiritual transformation. And a simple conversation, God can use you to influence others. And what's it look like to be a spiritual influencer? What's, what's that look like? What's that calling in our friendships look like to be spiritual leaders? Well, I heard a story of, 
Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, when he was president, he was traveling cross country on horseback with some companions and these, these friends get to a river that had swollen in size so much that it had wiped out the bridge that they would have crossed. And so as they contemplated their options, they decide with much bravery to cross this river, this river with massive current to it, to cross one by one to the other side. And that's what they began to do. And, and they would plunge their horse into the water and they'd slowly make their way to the other side. And after a few people crossed, there was a, a stranger to the group that was traveling on foot that saw this happening. And he went up to President Thomas Jefferson and he said, would you be willing to ferry me to the other side? Can I ride on your horse? President Thomas Jefferson said, sure, of course you can. And the stranger mounted his horse and they, they started crossing the river very slowly. They make it to the other side safely and the stranger dismounts. And as he, he comes off this horse, one of the others in their group looked at him and said, why did you choose the president's horse? Why did you choose to ride with him? And the stranger was shocked. He had no idea that that was President Thomas Jefferson. And he said, well, I, I didn't choose him because he was president. I, I just looked at your group, and many of you had on your faces the word no. But on some of your faces, I saw a yes. And on his face, I saw a yes, and so I asked him because he was a yes. What do people see when they look at your face? Do they see someone who's a spiritual influencer that they can tell they're welcome they're valued by God and by you, that there's a smile on your face, that they're cared about, that you have concern about what's going on in their life, or are you more just about what's going on in your life? Do you want to become a spiritual influencer that makes a difference? It's going to take work. It's going to take intentionality. It won't happen easily. It won't happen casually. But if you want to make a difference and see God work through your life to impact other lives and even see other lives in heaven one day, then you've got to be intentional. What do people see on your face? Are other people invisible to you? Or do you initiate conversations before and after services? Do you go up to people and introduce yourself? Hey, my name is Brandon. I love to get to know you. I mean, do you initiate conversations? What a great opportunity that we have when we come together to worship, to interact with people, life on life, to build friendships as we sip coffee together in the lobby. We talk about our families between services. I mean, God has given us such a gift in community. But it won't come easy, right? It won't come easy to be a life group leader where you clean out your house and, right, and you set up the preparation for the class and the food and prepare the lesson and invite people into your home. It won't come easy, but man, what an impact that you can make as you teach others the Bible and help them experience the presence of God and relationship. It won't come easy to come a little bit early and Go into a kid's classroom and kid experience and teach young children what it means to follow Jesus, but it can transform the rest of their life. You can deposit lessons they'll carry with them for decades. It's worth it, but it'll take intentionality. What's it mean to be a spiritual influencer? Might be showing up midweek at student experience and investing in a high school student whose life is filled with all sorts of pressures at school and at home and mentor them and help them navigate this very challenging years as they head into the young adult years so that they follow Jesus and not the ways of the world. See, it makes such a tremendous difference. And that's what you're called to. And if you're missing out on that purpose, you're missing out on the reward, the satisfaction that God wants to deliver in your life, but you can't do it alone. And we've been fooled into thinking that we can experience all of what God has for us in community digitally. I am all for digital expressions of the church. I'm all for it. And there's a time and place when we can't be present physically and digital helps so much. And I'm all for that. 
In fact, there's some contexts that are so creative and innovative where we're experiencing community digitally in new ways, and I think that's fantastic. But there's something about looking another person in the eyes and giving them a hug and putting an arm on the shoulder when you pray for them that you were made for that. And there will always be an element needed in your life for that piece of interaction with other believers. And I believe God's called us to it. And are you stepping into it is my question today because I don't want you to miss out on the rewards of community by seeking comfort food relationships. God's just got more for you. He has a feast for you to experience and that's what I want in your life. But it comes from being someone who's willing to take initiative. And it's gonna take initiative if you wanna experience great relationship moments. It takes, it takes initiative to, to experience great conversations and going beyond just asking casual surface questions and engaging in conversations that'll go a little bit deeper, crafting a creative question. It's gonna take initiative for you to take responsibility to be the kind of friend that you want others to be to you. It's gonna take initiative to be a spiritual leader and initiate spiritual conversations. It's gonna take initiative to create memorable moments. I got a chance to officiate the wedding of Stephen and Julie Wilson who attend our church and it was so fun because I've known these guys since they were literally coming out of high school and it's been fun to watch them grow mature in their, their relationship and I'll get married and, and uh, there was a fun moment in our rehearsal. I'd been planning it for weeks unknown to them but I, I told them, I said, do you guys have the rings to present that these vows will be kept and, and then they turned and got the rings and I, and I told them in the rehearsal, just place it right here on my Bible. And I'd prepped them to put the rings there on my Bible and we practiced it at the rehearsal. And then the wedding ceremony came the next day. And, and, and Stephen, what you need to know about him is he is a diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan. Well, I, I love the Tampa Bay Bucks as our home team. And we won the Super Bowl last year and all that was great. We actually played the Kansas City Chiefs. So we had a lot of rivalry smack talk going on. And he's a big fan of his quarterback. He thinks he's the best ever. And Tom Brady, of course, is the best quarterback ever. He's won the most Super Bowls and all that. So we have a lot of fun with those kind of conversations. And so he's a big fan of his quarterback, not so much of Tom Brady. And so, so when I had him put his ring on my Bible in the middle of our ceremony. I opened up my Bible and right there in the Bible was a big picture of Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. And it was so funny to watch Stephen's reaction as he literally just turned his head away and his wife laughed. And it was just such a beautiful moment that no one else knew about other than the three of us. But it was a special moment that took a little bit of intentionality. But I was so excited because I love those guys and I wanted to create a special, memorable moment for a friend of mine. And, and taking those extra steps, man, I've missed it so many times where I had an opportunity where I could have gone the extra effort and, and made a special moment with a friend and I, and I missed it because I was so focused on what I needed to do. And I wonder how many of us are so driven and so focused on what we're doing that we're missing what God wants to do in our friendships. And what I want you to experience is the joy of that intentionality that comes from investing in other people. And most importantly, pointing them towards Christ because there's no greater investment you can make in another person than pointing them towards Jesus. And here's the lesson. Spiritual leadership is influencing friends towards Jesus. And that's the ultimate goal in all of our friendships, to point them closer to Christ. Whether they're a mature believer and you help them get closer to God or someone who doesn't know him and you introduce him for the first time. See, God wants to use you to be a spiritual influencer in your relationships. I wanna move on to one final part of this passage in 1 Thessalonians Chapter five, look with me at verse 13. God's word says, live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. 
Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. You know, I see a lot of interesting statements there about the health that God intends for our friendships. He talks about living at peace with each other, being patient with everyone, not paying back wrong for wrong, and doing what is good for each other. This is a vision that God has for our relationships to be healthy, to avoid gossip and slander, to build others up instead of cutting them down. God has such vision for our relationships. But if there's one thing that will make the biggest difference in your friendships, more than any of these other things, to produce a healthy relationship, next only to a relationship with Christ, it's, it's your words. How you choose to use your words in relationships. Specifically, I would encourage you to take note of this. Gracious words are what grow healthy relationships. Gracious words are what grow healthy friendships. You know, I, I watch those who are good at using gracious words. My wife, she's amazing at this. And, and, and they have no shortage of great friendships. But when you are intentional with your words and gracious with your words in the kitchen, in your day-to-day -day life, you'll be amazed at what God can do. And, and, and gracious words, by the way, they're, they're pure in God's sight. It tells us that in his words. It's something that he values. And, and I was just looking through scripture at this topic and I noticed in Proverbs 16, verse 24, we'll put the verse on the screen here for you, but it says, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. When you speak graciously to others and friendships, it brings healing to that relationship. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 12, it says, words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. So wise people use gracious words, why? Because there's a great benefit to the other person and to you when you use wise words. And then finally, this one in Luke chapter four, verse 22, about Jesus, it says that, he, that all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Isn't this carpenter's son? Is, this guy, he should be using rough language, right? He's, he's, he's working on the job site and, and constructing things. I mean, we kind of expect a little bit vulgar language from him, but no, this guy, he's, he's gracious in his words. You know, if, if you don't speak graciously, then you're gonna have a lot of misunderstandings. You're gonna have a lot of conflict. And, and what do you do when that other person, the other person around the kitchen table, maybe at home, maybe in the workplace, what do you do when that other person doesn't use gracious words and they're not so healthy in the relationship? Well, you still love them, but you don't need to be best friends with them. You can set boundaries and that's okay. And, and, it, and it's hard when, when the other person is not doing what you think they should be doing. It's kind of like driving down the road in a car and you're in the passenger seat and maybe it's been raining and you've been on this road trip and the windshield wipers were going, but then it stopped raining and you're there in the passenger seat and you notice that the windshield wipers are still going and it's driving you crazy because that squeaky noise across the dry windshield and they don't notice it. And you just wanna like, hey, can I just take over? Can I just drive? Can I just turn those windshield wipers off? And, and sometimes you just wish you could make someone else's decision for them. But you can't control anyone else and you shouldn't try to control anyone else because God doesn't try to control you. But even though you can't control the words of someone else and if they're healthy or not, you always have control of your own words and you're always in control of your own reactions. And so even though other people are gonna offend you at times, it's to your glory to overlook that offense. It tells us that in Proverbs. It's to your glory to overlook that. Jennifer mentioned something one time that really left a mark on me. She says, we need to have tough skin but not hard hearts. You've got to have tough skin, 
if you want to have good relationships because people will step on your toes. They'll say things that offend you sometimes. They'll hurt your feelings. But instead of avoiding and withdrawing back to the comfort food relationships on our couch, we're isolated and we don't have that intimacy. I want to encourage you to engage with a, a soft heart but sometimes with tough skin, knowing that you too have failed others with your words and your actions and you've not been a perfect friend either. It was Josh McDowell who said, it's always better to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. Did you see that? It's always better to resolve the conflict than to run from it. And some of you have been running from relationships and you're just transferring over your problems and transferring over your brokenness and transferring over the issues and you're bringing it from one relationship to the next. One workplace that you quit to the next. One church that you left to the next one. One marriage to the next one. Listen, you've got to deal with it. And instead of running from it and dissolving the relationship and quitting when there's conflict and when someone offends you and hurts your feelings, you need to engage and love and forgive just like Jesus forgave you. What's it look like to really be a friend? I want to close with this passage from John chapter 15. My command is this, Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down their life. Jesus, when you were running from him, he didn't run from you. When you gave up on him, he didn't give up on you, did he? No, he engaged in the relationship. He forgave you your sins when you asked him. And by the way, if you haven't, you'll never fully be able to love until you've experienced the love of God and the forgiveness of God. There's a part of your heart that is not fully opened up until you've opened up to the amazing grace and love of God. I mean, it's a transformation that takes place inside you when you experience God's amazing grace. There's just a part of you that opens up and you find a new kind of love that you've never experienced before. It's a deeper love. Well, God, you would give of your own son to die on a cross, to pay the penalty that I owed for my sin. And you just forgive me with all that I've done and you know about all of it. You just do that for me. What an amazing gift of love. And this is love, he says. How, how do you love each other? This is love that you lay down your life for others. See, once you've experienced God's love, once you've experienced his forgiveness, then you have the power to forgive someone else who's offended you. There's a void inside of you that can only be filled by God. And until you experience the intimacy of a friendship with God, you're gonna put all that dependency on people around you and you'll crush your relationships because they will never be able to fulfill what God was meant to fill inside your heart. And as you ask them to fulfill, whether it's in a marriage, or a good friendship, when you ask them to fulfill what only God can fill, you'll put too much pressure and probably break that relationship through your insecurity, through your neediness. You have a relationship need, but your primary need is in a relationship with God. And when you learn to walk with him day to day and find strength in him, you'll find strength to love everyone else. So my hope is that you will experience God's abundant friendship and that it will flow over into all your other friendships and your day-to-day -day life and that you will find the blessing and reward of God that comes from abandoning the comfort food friendships on the couch at home by yourself and you engage in community and experience all that God has for you. That's my hope for you, is you'll find new levels of friendship that you've never experienced before. Right on. Come on, let's pray together.
God, we thank you for your friendship with us, how you loved us even while we were sinners. Even when we were failing all of our friendships and we were living brokenness and all those sorts of things, God, you, you reached out your hand of grace to love us and to forgive us. And as we're praying today, maybe you just wanna say your own prayer to God to thank him for all the amazing grace that he's poured into your life, all the friendship he's offered you. And if you've never experienced that amazing grace before, I wanna offer you the opportunity right here, right now, wherever you're hearing this message, to receive the grace of God to say, Jesus, I need your grace. I need your friendship. I need you to walk with me through the, the trials of life. Please forgive me of my sins and come into my life as my God. You can do that right now in your own words. God will hear you. He'll answer your prayer. And as we continue to pray, God, we just ask that you'd help us to be the same kind of friend to others that you've been to us. Not conditional friends based on how good they are, but be the kind of friends that's based on how good you've been to us. That we can love others even when they're unlovable. That we can be kind to others even when they don't reciprocate. God, give us that kind of love. Those kind of friendships where we can pour into others to be givers and not takers. God, we wanna model what you modeled for us to love others even when they're at their worst and give them, God, your best. Help us to be incredible friends and experience the reward that comes from friendship in you and through you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I had the best time with you today, worshiping and learning with you. You may have made a commitment during the service, and if you did, we'd love to reach out to you. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, again, please go to churchexperience.tv connect or scan the QR code on the screen. Want to get even more connected? Check out our CE social media, Instagram, Facebook, or the website, or even the app. Go ahead and also please hit that subscribe button right here. What a great day it has been. Can't wait to see you next week.